Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast. A weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Himra Chanel, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Ave, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Park Avenue Baptist Church, in response to COVID-19, has suspended in-person worship, but that can't stop us. What you'll hear on this podcast is a recording of our online worship, which happens each Sunday at 10 a.m. Join us through our Facebook, at Park Ave Baptist, or our Instagram, at Park Ave Baptist. We hope that you stay safe in these difficult times. Hear now a reading from Isaiah 59, 8 through 15. They don't know the way of peace. There's no justice in their paths. They make their roads crooked. No one who walks in them knows peace. But of all this, justice is far from us and and righteousness beyond our reach. We expect light and there is darkness. We await a gleam of light, but walk about in gloom. We grope along the wall like the blind, like those without eyes we grope. We we stumble at noonday as if it were twilight and among the strong as if we were dying. All of us growl like bears and like doves we moan. We expect justice, but there is none. We await salvation, but it is far from us. Our rebellions are numerous in your presence. Our sins testify against us. Our rebellions are with us. We're aware of our guilt. Turning away from God, planning oppression and revolt, muttering lying words conceived in our minds. Justice is pushed aside. Righteousness stands far off because truth has stumbled in the public square and honesty can't enter. Truth is missing. Anyone turning from evil is plundered. The word of God for the people of God. Amen, amen, amen. Before I open with a prayer, I wanted to share something with you all that uh, every once in a while these little nuggets of inspiration pop up. And this is a quote attributed to Harriet Tubman. If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop, keep going. If you want a taste of freedom, keep going. Let us pray. Lord, silence our thoughts, quiet our minds, open our ears and soften our hearts to receive your word. Lord, forgive us of our shortcomings, our offenses against our neighbors and against your creation. And forgive us of our sins of commission and omission against you. May the words I speak be your truth, not mine, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. 
and let the people of God say amen. <clears throat> Allow me to remix Isaiah 59, 8 through the 15 verses. The United States doesn't know the way of peace. There's no justice in its paths. The United States makes its roads crooked. No one who walks in them knows peace. Because of all this, justice is far from us and righteousness beyond our reach. We expect light while there's darkness. We await a gleam of light, but walk in gloom. We grope along the wall like the blind, like those with our eyes. We grope. We stumble in the middle of a bright, sunny day as if it were twilight and among the strong, not as if we were dying, but as we are dying. We expect justice, but there's none. We await salvation, but it's far from us. America's denials of humanity are numerous in your presence, Lord. America's sins testify against America. We're aware of America's guilt. The world is aware of America's guilt, defying and denying the Lord, turning away from God, oppressing people and revolting against God, muttering lying words conceived in the minds of our leaders. Justice is pushed aside, Righteous, righteousness stands far off because truth has stumbled, has fallen flat on its face in the public square and honesty cannot enter. Truth is missing. No, truth has been silenced, assaulted, maimed and anyone trying to turn from evil is plundered. For those of you that read my bio, some of you may have noticed from my bio that I'm a retired US Navy submarine officer. What many people do not know about military structure is that regular officers in the US military are commissioned officers. Now there are two major distinctions of individuals that serve in the military. One is enlisted, the other is officer. To become a commissioned officer, one must to have at least completed a bachelor's degree. And that's not to say that enlisted individuals do not have college degrees. On the contrary, many of the enlisted sailors I work with had at least an associate's degree. And there are just a few more requirements that enlisted members choose not to do to become officers. Enlisted members are contracted, not commissioned. They're the technical hands-on subject matter experts in their field while the officer manages the enlisted personnel in her department or division. The commissioning of the officer, commissioning of officers is something that goes back to the Roman Empire, the Middle Ages. <clears throat> Most of the process of commissioning is rather transparent, but military manpower planning that the president approves is a document used as the presidential nomination for newly commissioned officers. Congress approves that appointment of every single officer. Once approved, the president grants permission for the commissioning to actually take place. The commissioning is required because the military officer is an extension of the executive branch of the government, hence the title commander in chief for the president. If you recently listened to President Biden taking the oath of office, you may have heard him say something like this. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me God. This is the exact same oath I took upon entering service and for the four subsequent promotions that I achieved during my time in service. 
Today, let's turn our attention to the following parts of the oath. I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter, so help me God. Beloved, I want to talk to you from the topic of, we hold these truths to be self-evident. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Some of you may be wondering, where have I heard that before? Well, it comes from one of the founding documents of this country, the Declaration of Independence. Let me read that portion for you. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all human beings are created equal, that we are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wouldn't it be wonderful, y'all, if the U.S. actually lived by the ideals of this statement for all who occupy these stolen lands? Much in the same way I was under the obligation of commissioned service for the president, the prophet and the people were under the obligation of commissioned service from God. Unlike the prophet, though, my commissioning process did not involve an angel holding a hot coal with a tongs and touching them to my mouth. And after all that, Isaiah's answer to God's call was still, here I am, send me. Really? He took his commission very seriously. The prophet speaks of coexistence of peace and justice. Let's start with a familiar term for peace, shalom. Ah, shalom. Say it with me, shalom. English translation shortchanges the word and simply says that it means peace, which is interesting because the root of the word has the connotation of completeness. Yes, we know it as peace, but shalom is a complete peace, a whole peace. Shalom does not mean there's no strife. Lord knows the U.S. has seen its share of strife since its inception, most recently during the last four years. Now let's put a pin right there. We'll address justice later. When we get to the people's confession in the ninth verse, they understand God's concept of peace and righteousness being symbiotic or inseparable, that they depend on each other. In other words, one can't exist without the other. The 85th chapter of Psalm provides a beautiful love story metaphor of the relationship between peace and righteousness, saying that they have kissed each other. Can you just imagine that beautiful union? As I read the eighth and ninth verses, I began to imagine a holy trinity, not the typical Christian concept that we know. I submit that peace, righteousness, and justice are a trinity. As the church, the body of believers, we have a role to play in making sure righteousness exists and making sure that peace exists and making sure that justice exists, that righteousness, peace, and justice coexist. We believers not only have to talk the talk or walk the walk, but we also have to walk the talk. Like one of my favorite rappers, Master P, said, we have to be bout it, bout it. Maybe we should change our protest chant from no justice, no peace to no justice, no righteousness, no peace. 
Maybe it sounds better in Hebrew. No mishpat, no tzagata. Shalom. Justice, no righteousness, no peace. Just doesn't roll off the tongue like no justice, no peace. How many of you have ever gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and turn the light on to conduct your business? After finishing, you turn off the light not allowing your eyes to adjust, heading back to your bed. On the way back, you stub your toe on the bed and begin to whisper obscenities for you good Christian, make prophetic utterances. We all know we're not spoken by the apostles overcome by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. That brings us to the next part of the people's confession. And that is that without light, there is darkness. The people cry out about the darkness and how they're blinded by the darkness. What is darkness? Darkness is hatred. Darkness is racism. Darkness is sexism. Darkness is homophobia. Darkness is usually based on unfounded fear. It was in the darkness of America's justice system that our sister Sandra Bland was killed after a three-day jail stay for a traffic stop. It was in the darkness that our niece, Tatiana Jefferson, was murdered in her own house in the presence of her nephew, her video game partner, by law enforcement. It was in this same darkness that our daughter, Brianna Taylor, sleeping soundly in her bed, was killed during a breaking and entering by police officers. Darkness doesn't exist in and of itself. You can't quantify darkness like you can light. I've seen hundreds, no, thousands of 60-watt light bulbs, but I have yet to find a 60-watt darkness bulb. And I spend a lot of time in Home Depot. My wife, Cheryl, can attest to that. Darkness is the opposite of existence. For those of us blessed with sight, the light we see is a visible manifestation of energy, while darkness is the absence of that energy. Today, Hey, we're living in dark times, an absence of energy, an absence of the spirit, an absence of light. Church, we have allowed the world to dim and in some cases extinguish our lights. We're supposed to be the guiding light of love, of a morality for the world. God never called us to be judges, but to be living examples of what the love of God looks like in the world because we are missing the light. Our communities are missing the light. Our churches and places of worship are missing the light. And our government is intentionally avoiding the light. So far, I've shared two truths from Isaiah 59. Justice, peace, and righteousness must coexist. And second, without light, there is darkness. This brings us to another part of the people's confession. And that is that truth is non-existent. I know sometimes we feel like truth is non-existent. In the 14th verse, the people tie righteousness to truth. Just as justice, righteousness, and peace must coexist, truth is the glue that holds them together or the framework for the trinity of peace, justice, and righteousness. What we call the justice system in America is not about justice because for black and brown bodies, truth is missing. We have a retributive justice system in America, a system 
that is all about making someone pay, especially if they're black or brown. Not a redemptive system that restores their humanity. Why is it so hard for someone who has paid their debt to society to be integrated back into society, to have the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness restored? Why is it so hard for a returning citizen to find a job, a place to stay, or just vote in an election? Maybe we can answer that in our final point. There is no truth. We live in a post-truth world. Americans don't even call lies lies anymore. There are alternative facts perpetuate, perpetuated on social media and on conservative news outlets. Congress people use a defense for lying like, I was allowed to believe dot, dot, dot. Is this, is the issue with this that the statement is passive voice or that a grown person is refusing to take any accountability for her actions? Even with the pervasiveness of print news and video recordings and social media posts, it has become commonplace for people to say, that's not what I said. Even though you may have just watched and heard them say it, lack of truth is nothing recent in the US. The lines I read from the Declaration of Independence have been nothing short of a lie for the non-white, non-Christian immigrant, a deception for the indigenous peoples of the Americas and pure fiction for the African diaspora kidnapped and brought to the shores of the land of the free and the home of the brave. So what happens now? Where do we go from here? This is the unanswered question Dr. King posed. What's God doing in the midst of all the pain and the suffering? Where is God in the midst of the pain and the suffering? What good is God's let me tell you about God's truth. God is everlasting and we're but dust, but important enough to be loved by God. Important enough to be loved by God. That doesn't come without tough love from God. We don't know when or how God will respond, but the prophet in Isaiah 59 assures us that God is getting ready to rain down justice on everyone who is not operating in the will of God. God will intervene. The 16 through 19 verses tells us that God brings victory upheld by God's righteousness. God puts on the armor of righteousness. Paul's writing in Ephesians is not the first time the Bible talks about the armor of God. The prophet Isaiah describes God's armor as the helmet of salvation, the garment of vengeance, and the cloak of zeal. I like this next part. This is the redemption. God will repay according to the actions of the evil doers. There'll be wrath and retribution and they will fear God and God's glory. This is the truth that we hold to be self-evident. We hold the following truths to be self-evident. That water is wet, that the earth revolves around the sun, that gravity is the reason things fall, that women's rights are humans rights. These sacred truths for us, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And I would like to share with you all that this is not the time to despair. This is not the time to give up. 
this is the time to understand that we have assurance that God is the greatest and God's love conquers all. God has never loved us because of anything we have done, but just loves us. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Why do we hold that truth to be self-evident? We hold God's truth to be self-evident because we have hope in the righteousness of God. We have hope in the justice of God. We have hope in the power and the sovereignty of God. We leave as we go out into the world, beloved. May God bless you, the readers, the hearers, and the doers of God's holy word. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into a world that is too often unjust, knowing that the God that created you loves you and empowers you to love boldly, live inclusively, and serve creatively. Mm -hmm.